You're listening to Your Highest Self Podcast, episode 86. Today, we're talking about the path towards freedom with Laura Mullis. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in your mind and doing it with me today. If you are a returning loyal listener, welcome back. And if you're brand new, it's so nice to meet you. My name is Shanae. I'm your host and I am a spiritual mindset and success coach. Uh, My mission is to help you back to your authenticity, your inner wisdom, helping you balance your energy so that you can live your purpose full out because I know that you are meant for more and you're here so that you can heal your limiting beliefs and overcome all the self-doubt to really truly be the woman you were born to be. So, so excited to have you here. Um, If you're a a regular listener, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus. I was in Georgia for my master practitioner NLP training, and I had every intention of recording while I was out there, but I did not expect the trainings to be so intense. I did not expect to be so tired. And we also had the five-day goddess initiation, the first ever that first week. So I I was booked. Um, So that's why we're on a little bit of a hiatus. Um, But my training went absolutely incredible. The five-day goddess initiation was absolutely incredible. I'm going to do a whole podcast episode recapping that. And yeah, I'm so excited. Um, This training was step two out of three of being able to officially launch my coaching uh, institute later this year. So I'm super excited. Um, I will be um, going to LA for three weeks in August for trainers training. And that'll be the final step in um, officially um, being able to launch my certification and having you all be board certified. And um, yeah, I'm super excited. Um, I have so much to update you guys on Um, Monday. So today is Saturday, May 8th. On Monday, I'm getting my master Reiki attunement and I'll be hosting my first Reiki certification class in May. Um, And then um, the the rest of the institute is going to be launching this fall. So it's going to be a blend of, um, well, not a blend, but you know, if you'd like to be certified through my institute, what I'm going to be teaching is spiritual life coaching um, mixed with NLP and Reiki. So you'll be a certified NLP practitioner, a certified Reiki one and two practitioner, as well as a certified life and success coach. And my own unique way of teaching it is for those of you who love the way that I coach. If you love the blend of masculine and feminine energy, of energy clearing, of Reiki, of mindset and success coaching with healing all intertwined in and you want to be able to guide your clients through the same um, the same way that I coach my clients. If, if you love how I do my work, then you're gonna love um, the um, institute that's launching later this year. So I'm so excited. Um, I'll keep you guys updated on that. Um, Other than that, I'm back in California, back in the swing of things, back home with all my fur babies. I'm so glad to be home. And 
uh, to make it easy on me, or not to make it easy on me, but this was planned. Um, this week's episode is my an interview that I did with my friend Laura, who we actually met at the first NLP practitioner training, and she was supposed to be at this one, but her schedule got in the way. So I'm really, really, really excited for you guys to meet her and to listen to this episode. She is a licensed psychotherapist. Um, she's actually a trauma and dissociation expert. So she is the real deal. And in this week's episode, she brings so much wisdom around doing deep inner work around trauma and how that looks like in her private practice. She works out of Georgia. So tune in this today into the, our episode today and hear about her story, how she got started. She has an incredible story. Um, she gives a really in-depth um, explanation that I've never, ever heard before. It just really opened up my eyes around the two types of wounds, trauma and attachment wounds, which is so interesting. Um, You're going to love that part. And then recognizing how attachment wounds work, which is a lot of inner child healing, how Laura specifically discovers them. She's like a Jedi master. She can figure out what's what your wounds are in like 30 seconds. And then what her take on doing the inner work is. Um, So I just wanted to give you a little bio around her. Um, Like I said, she's a trauma and dissociation expert and licensed psychotherapist. Um, Her life's passion is helping people understand their symptoms, reclaim their lives, and become the person that they envision. She's been in this field of therapy working for over 14 years. Yes, 14 years. And her, you know, biggest desire is to help people heal from addictions. Um, But while she was in that field, what happened is it became apparent to her that so many people were using addiction to numb all these unbearable pains and unspeakable truths. And it was during that time that she realized in order to help people fully recover, she had to learn to help them not only tell the story of their pain, but find a way to help them learn the pain was in the past and that the pain could not limit their future. I love Laura. I love her work. Just this episode is one of my favorites. You're going to be like mind blown. So um, I hope you enjoy it. Actually, I know you will enjoy it. And um, unfortunately, Laura's not on Instagram. (laughs) She's so busy that she like, you know, and fully booked out until like, I don't know, September or something like that, that she's not on social. So you can't go find her and tag her and read her work. But if you would like to connect with her, if you are interested in working with her and doing one of her three day um, intensives or one of her retreats, uh, you can email her and we have everything linked down below. I hope you guys enjoy this interview and take as much from it as I did. And if you have any questions, any feedback, we have a brand new podcast community that's linked down below. Um, And um, I'll get into more of that in next week's episode and let you know all the details. Um, But without further ado, let's get into it. Hey, Laura, welcome to the show. Hi, Shanae. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. So um, as you guys heard in the intro, Laura is a licensed psychotherapist, which is the fancy word for licensed therapist. Um, But before we dive into it, Laura, I would love to hear from you. How did you get into this work? (laughs) Well, of course, every therapist, whether they want to believe, to believe it or not, are wounded healers. And so I got into this work because from the age of 11 to 
19, I was on, I was hooked on drugs and was um, a pretty bad drug addict and went to treatment for two years. That was fun. And during that time, I said I was never going to work with these drug addicts because, you know, they're self-centered people. And I think the universe had different plans and wound up um, by a series of fortunate events. I wound up working in a drug treatment program and absolutely loved it. And when I was working there, though, one thing I realized is I was working with I was working in a women's day treatment program and I would sit and talk with these women and hear their stories. And I would say, my goodness, if I had to deal with all they dealt with, I'd be on drugs, too. And as I started to hear their stories, I realized that what I had to do in order to really help people heal was not just learn about 12 steps and relapse and coping skills, but I had to help people learn how to heal from the wounds that they've experienced in this life because those wounds were what were keeping them feeling like they had to wake up every day and use drugs and alcohol. So that sent me on a quest, um, a 15 year, 16 year journey of trying to figure out how can I help people heal from wounds that they've picked up in this life and do it in a way that is fast and effective to where they don't have to necessarily relive it and once it's done it's done and so that's kind of been the path and the quest I've been on is trying to help others heal but a lot of the healing has come to me first like everything that I do everything that I offer everything that I have went and paid money to get trained in were things that I experienced first and I saw that they were helpful for me because I feel like there is a saying that you can't take people where you've never gone and I believe that's the truth so that's my quick story about how I got into this work. It really chose me. I did not choose it. I was not going to do that. I was going to go sell insurance because that would be easy and I'd make more money. And that is not how it happened. <laughs> you guys can see why I'm obsessed with her. Um, <laughs> it's so true. It's like we so desire to make an impact on people, but like you've got to first, it always starts with you. It's like you just... The impact starts from within. So, um, gosh, I have so many questions for you. I think first I'd love to sort of like teach our audience a little bit, um, about how these wounds and how this trauma that we go through in our lives, um, how does that affect our, our self-belief and like what we think is possible for us? Well, my, well, first off, I want to say that there are two types of wounds that I'll, I'll talk about during this podcast. The first is what collectively is known as trauma, mm-hmm. but I even piece that out into uh, two subcategories. I say there are trauma wounds and there are attachment wounds. And so trauma wounds are the major life events that happen to us that kind of leave a mark in our timeline. I say there's like life before and there's life after. And people get to define what that is, not some book or some diagnostic code. They get to define what's trauma for them, but it's, it's things that happen to us. Where attachment wounds are more about the wounding that happened because of what our caregivers, the people who were responsible for raising us, did not give us. So these are the things that should have happened that didn't happen in our life. You know, I think all children are born with this innate desire to be seen, heard, valued, understood, and to grow up in an environment that's consistent and predictable. 
And when that doesn't happen, it creates attachment wounding. And I've been doing this for literally 16 years. And I always thought that trauma was the answer. We need to go treat the trauma, treat the trauma. If you treat the trauma, then people get better. Well, I have found a lot of people who've never had one of those major life events that have poor relationships with themselves, poor relationships with others, and just can't maintain stability in their life. And the reason why is the attachment wounds. And so in the past, probably five to six years, I have found that the attachment wounds are what cause majority of the problems in the world. Because the only way, the way we learn who we are is by our, how our caregiver reflects back to us who we are when we're children. So if we have a caregiver, a parent, mother, father, grandmother, whoever raised you, who's responsible for our primary nurturing, and that person doesn't have a good relationship with themselves, it's just like the therapist, you can't take their client where they haven't gone. They can't give to the child what the child needs to develop this healthy perception about themselves. We take in their attachment with them, or we take in our caregiver's attachment with themselves, then that becomes our attachment with ourselves. And then that becomes how we relate to the whole world. And there's a saying I tell my people I work with all the time. I'm like, it's all a mirror. Mm. Whatever you draw into your life is a direct reflection of what's going on inside of you. I don't have to do a five page assessment to try to figure out what your faulty beliefs are. I can just ask you about your problems and I can tell you your faulty beliefs. So a lot of that doesn't come down to trauma. A lot of it comes down to attachment. And we didn't get the secure, safe, stable attachment from our caregivers. And therefore, we don't have it with ourselves. And therefore, we go out and we draw people into our lives who match how we feel about ourselves. And so that's kind of what I see in my practice more. I mean, I do have the trauma, but trauma literally is uh, is pretty easy to treat. You know, they've got um, EMDR and these cutting edge therapies that literally shift the way the brain processes information it's the attachment wounding that's really, really difficult to shift. And the reason why is because if you have a trauma wound, then the way it works is that when a person experiences a trauma, it's a certain event that gets kind of stuck in the brain and the brain can't process it the way it's supposed to. Well, if it's one event, you can isolate that and treat it. Mm -hmm. But attachment wounding happens day in and day out in a child's life. And so it's almost like it's woven in the infrastructure of the neural networks of the brain. And so it's a lot harder to identify because it's just the, it's just the water you swam in when you were growing up, you didn't know it was dirty. And number two, it's kind of, it shows up everywhere. It shows up in your relationship with yourself, your relationship with others, your relationship with money, your relationship with food, all of it, um, in my opinion, goes down to attachment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. I always tell people that I think inner child healing is the, is the root of all. Yes. Yeah. And if you ask people to ask me what I do all the time, well, I do a lot of things, but one thing that I really do is a lot like in-depth inner child healing and not like, Oh, go see that three-year-old and write a letter to that three-year-old. Like people do. I mean, I do really, really in-depth inner child healing with people because I truly believe it's those parts of us that we, kind of said, oh, you're the problem. I'm going to leave you back there and I'm going to go on and create this life that outlives you mm. that causes us majority of our issues in life today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ugh, I just love hearing this from you because this is what I've 
discovered in my own journey of healing, like my own attachment wounds and Mm -hmm. finding all of the ways in which I was feeling my void using competitions to make myself feel better using my, my business to fuel my ego and really operating from when I figured out that one of the main drivers of my motivation was to prove to my father that I could do it and that I could be better than him was like a very big ego death for me and, and really identifying and like, Oh, wow. Like this is the energy that I've been operating from. And this is the energy that I use to create my business and really all of it to fuel my ego. I mean, that was like a huge awakening for me. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, yeah. Um, so this is really good. I mean, I think everyone's going to just be mind blown by that five minutes. Um, (laughs) When we recognize that we have an attachment wound and I mean, this is for, I think all of our listeners know. So all of the listeners here know exactly what inner child healing is. We've dove deep into it. They, they know how to identify core wounds. And I'm actually going to use the word attachment wounds now moving forward in this podcast so that we can stay in alignment with it. Um, when we're doing this work of inner child healing, a lot of what I've seen, um, my clients and just listeners who, you know, email in is, um, a lot of it can be so heavy. And a lot of times they have problems like dissociating during the work, or they don't want to relive that trauma. So it becomes really hard for them to kind of find the learning lessons or kind of reprocess to, to heal and to integrate the experiences. What advice do you have for anyone who's diving into the work, the shadow work, and they're kind of getting caught in that, if that makes sense? Yeah. So I'm an expert on dissociation. So you can ask me about that all day long. That's what, one of my specialties. So if you truly have a, a dissociative disorder, then inner child healing is going to be something that you struggle to do on your own because mm-hmm. it's all set up around a phobia of inner experience so what that means is like I the main person walking around doing life not am kind of scared to go near that child self because the child self is the one I disowned all my wounds into Mm. and so if you go near the child self the child self is like thank goodness somebody's here I can tell you all about what happened to me and then you might get flooded and so then that's when dissociation is going to happen and dissociation is just like uh, our nature's gift to us that when our body can't run, our mind does. So I would say if that's happening to you, please find a therapist who can help you in that process. Um, In the therapy world, we don't really call it inner child healing anymore. We call it ego state therapy. Okay. We call it ego state therapy. So if you feel like inner child healing is something that helps you find somebody who specializes in ego state therapy, if the dissociation piece is just too much, then, um, yeah, that's what I would suggest. Now, what I believe in terms of attachment wounds and inner child healing is what what drives attachment wounds are two things. One is unmet needs. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the second is internal recording. So I'll talk to you about both of those. But if you're doing the work on your own, then what I would say is as you're working with your inner child before you swoop in and want to rescue them or want to have them tell you their story spend a few minutes connecting with them and asking yourself, what does this younger me need now that it did not get back then? And spend a few minutes sending the intention of offering that to that younger you. Mm -hmm. 
because that because it's that part of you is stuck because it still needs its needs met in the moment. And guess what? There's nobody coming to save you. You got to save yourself. So you're the one who gets to go meet the needs today. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, this is what I do in my work with people. The first thing we do is meet the the younger parts needs. And um, the so some of the core needs, I would say, are safety. Mm -hmm feeling seen a lot of people walk around with invisibility wounds which is a a whole a whole entire I think new phenomenon because of how much people work and all this stuff but anyway so being seen and also unconditional love unconditional acceptance but safety is probably core making sure that that part knows it's safe today um, and the love and the acceptance and just a warm presence so it's kind of about how you approach the inner child if you approach the inner child like come on, let's hear what you got to say because you're the source of my problems and I want you to stop, that's not going to work. If you approach with love and warmth and compassion and a sense of safety, then that child will probably trust you to work with you. If not, if you approach the child in the same way the parents approach the child, which is kind of like, hey, you're an inconvenience and you're taking up our time, then of course the child's going to dissociate because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it can feel, I mean, it is you, so it can feel exactly what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. So I would say that um, for people who don't have a true like dissociative disorder, then uh, if they're just struggling to connect to their inner child, try doing the meeting of the needs first mm -hmm. and really spending time meeting needs. I really love that. So um, funny. I mean, it's not funny. Coincidence are not a coincidence. One of my mastermind calls today, because a lot of the listeners here are coaches. She was struggling with posting her content, right? Content that's going to help her uh, community, help her potential clients and to start to build her, um, her community. And so we were doing inner child healing on this. And the biggest thing that I've also seen within my clients, my community is the fear of being seen. And we connected that one of her attachment wounds was not being seen as a child by her mother. And, mm -hmm. um, it was like, well, I don't want to post content because then what if I post it and then no one recognizes my worth? What if no one likes it? No one, you know, so what if it helps no one? So it's like, she's self-rejecting herself because of that fear of being seen because she never saw herself. So we tied it back to, and one of the things I told her was really set the intention before you press post that this is an action that you're taking for your inner child by telling her, I see you, I yeah. see you. And therefore we are going to post this content. We're not posting this content to be seen. And it was like, just this, it was just such a beautiful little, little, little moment. Um, but going back to the fear of being seen, do you think that this is why we are so obsessed and attachment and addicted to effort and overachieving? and overworking? Uh, it could be being seen. A lot of times people who are addicted to overworking feel like they're a burden at their core. Mm. So one, th one of the first questions I usually ask people whenever I'm doing a history, I do um, something called a genogram for history, is where you, where you planned. Because if you weren't, because you can get some, you, you'll get, a, uh, you'll get a lot of information from one question. I was so if you ask yeah. So if you ask if you were planned and they're like, no, my mom got pregnant and my parents got married and they had a terrible marriage, blah, 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 blah. Then 
kind of at the core, that person, not all the time, but at the core, the person's maybe going to feel like a burden. And so then they constantly feel like they have to earn their worth and value by constantly working, constantly giving back, constantly doing, constantly trying to prove their worthiness to exist. I'm laughing because you like tied up the three years of therapy I did did in 10 seconds. (laughs) Yeah, I could have figured that out in one question. There you go. I could have figured that out in one question, but (laughs) what you learned, what you, but it took me years to figure that out. So uh, yeah, so So, I feel like overworking is more because I have the burden wound, right? I have the burden wound. And so uh, I constantly wrestle with my workaholism and uh, at least I know it. Okay. And so I have the burden wound and so I think in my own process mm-hmm. of figuring that out, I was like, oh, so then I could see it in other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So again, it. it was like I healed it first. And so then I could go and see it in other people. And when people hear it, they're like, yes, that's exactly how it felt. I felt like a burden my whole life. Mm-hmm. Like, like you didn't ask to be here. Mm-hmm. And nobody has to prove their right to exist. We exist for a bigger, pr- I tell people you came on this world through your parents, but not for them. Mm-hmm. You came for a bigger purpose. And so, so yeah, the fear of being seen, um, you know, fear of being seen will kind of, that will show up more in people who probably work hard, but don't want to take credit for it. Don't, it's a different thing. It's different. It's like, there's going to work. The people are going to work hard, but they don't want any kind of praise. They don't want any credit for it as opposed to burden people where it's like, they want people to know because they're trying to get their existence validated. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I see the two. I'm definitely the, the, the burden one. And then with my client that we saw today, that was, um, oh, sorry. I'm the one that wants to be validated and overworking. And I can see the fear of being seen as, as the burden, because she also has yeah. a hard time acknowledging <clears throat> her wins, um, and giving herself like credit for what she's achieved. Yeah. Um, I'd love to, like, the, uh, I just want to, the, so the wound that I've seen more lately is the, is different than fear of being seen it's called invisibility wounds so this these are the people who were raised in what look like from the outside and they are you know um your normal typical family uh environments but both parents are working and then whenever parents get home they have so much to do around the house it's like the child literally feels invisible like parents are creating this whole world for this child giving them everything they want but the child feels invisible And so then that person just feels this complete and total like absence Mm. inside. It's like they have a dark hole inside these, whenever I meet people like that and they just, all they wanted was to be seen. Mm. And I do think one of my pet peeves, I don't have children, so I can say stuff like this is in this age of cell phones when people are like are on their cell phones all the time and looking at cell phones um and not their kids like that's causing a lot of invisibility wounds because we have this whole part of our brain that requires social engagement in order to feel safe and it requires us being like connected with face-to-face interaction in order for us to be able to have a sense of safety in the world and when people are looking at phones rather than one another that's not being developed so it's just a something that I see more prevalent in my practice probably in the last uh five or six years as the millenn- the people who grew up with cell phones are starting to emerge 
so invisibility wounds are different than wound fear of being seen. Okay. It's just this sense of, it's almost like this sense of just, um, feeling obsolete, feeling like you don't exist, feeling like no matter what you do, you're just not recognized. And there are people who in a conversation, other people will talk over them. It's like, they don't know how to exert their authority in life because Mm -hmm. they just felt invisible. Mm -hmm. So anyway, just so your listeners know, that's something new I've seen coming around in my practice and people, when they, when you get it, when you get the invisibility wound, they feel so seen and heard. They're like, that is exactly it. And they feel crazy because they feel like they were raised in a home or both parents or whoever their caregivers were are working hard to provide for them. They had everything they could ever want. And yet they still felt unloved. Mm -hmm. They still felt like they were not a part of. Mm -hmm. And so they feel like they're just spoiled and selfish. And I'm like, no, you felt invisible. And when they hear it, when, when somebody, when that lands in their spirit, it's like, yes, that's exactly how I felt. Thank you. You've put it into words for me. Mm. So just want to take a moment because if that's you listening to this, acknowledging right now that you're not invisible, because I see that a lot too, where they're like, I had such a great upbringing. Like my parents did the best that they could, but why do I feel like this? That's so amazing for you yeah. to be able to put that into words. Um, I'd love to hear your take on the worthiness wound. Cause I know a lot of my listeners, myself, including that is one of the big ones, self-worth and really tying our self-worth to a lot of different external validations and kind yeah. of core, just like not feeling good enough. So it's like feeling fundamentally flawed. Yeah. I would say that that's tied to all the wounds we talked about already. They all kind of funnel back into that one. Right. But, um, conditional, conditional circumstances to have love and acceptance. Like, if you do this, then this, if you do this, then we'll accept you. If you do this, then we'll love you. You have to be this way in order for us to love you. It's, um, some parents struggle with children becoming autonomous, meaning becoming their own sense of independence and expressing themselves and learning who they are, that autonomy that has to, that need, naturally needs to happen, mm-hmm. um, around age two, age five, and then every three or four years thereafter, and then teenagers come, <laughs> That's a, that's a whole nother animal, but, um, some parents can't allow that. It's like, you have to think and feel and believe the way we want you to. And so it really comes down to conditional, Mm. having conditions on love and having conditions on acceptance. And so then we put the conditions on ourselves because we can only take in what we're raised around. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would say the worthiness wounds come from. But, um, so what happens is the way I figure out people's wounds because mm-hmm. it's really interesting everybody is different it's really really interesting I, I, I do intensive therapy so people come to me for like three days at a time and I spend 18 hours in someone's mind it's incredible the stuff that comes up it's like I love my job and but everybody is different you could come with one wound and the, the same wound like a burden wound you could come with a burden wound and another person can come with a burden wound and they present the same in terms of symptoms sometimes, but what created them could be so different. Um, and so the way I figure all that out is that one thing that happens whenever you are raised around people consistently and how you feel they should be treating you doesn't match how they treat you is the mind gets confused 
And when the mind gets confused, it doesn't do us any favors. It makes a recording of those people acting in that way. And then it takes and stores the recording inside the mind. And that recording can look like, sound like, and act like mom, dad, grandma, brother, sister, teacher, whoever it was that the mind decided to take a recording of. And that recording has a message attached to it. And so the message the recording is sending is usually what's keeping people's patterns in their lives alive. And so it's so interesting whenever I start working with the inner child and then I ask the inner child, like, as you look around, who do you see that's sending you a message? And they start telling me who it is. And I start to see how all the messages interact and we start to piece together. Oh, that's why I do that. That's why, you know, I feel like I always attract these unavailable partners, or this is why I have affairs, or this is why I constantly sabotage myself when I get to a level of success. And it's all in the messages. So when it comes to a worthiness wound, that's where I'm going to, with all this, it can be so varied, but it's all, if you can figure out what the message you internalized or the recordings inside of you that are speaking to you constantly, there's like a subconscious, like unconscious. They're not very conscious, they're unconscious, but they're planted there in the unconscious mind. And as you know, being a hypnotherapist, the unconscious mind drives 90% of what we do. Mm-hmm. And so if you can figure out your messages, then you have uh, the first step in overcoming the messages. And so really the worthiness wound can be caused by any of those messages that we took in about how we should think, feel, act, and behave in order to gain love and acceptance. Mm-hmm. And we can, and then we're just living our life according to those messages now. Mm-hmm. And then we can replant different messages through hypnotherapy. Yes. Well, I usually turn them off. Whenever I work with people, I, I, we find the recordings and turn them off. And then at the end, I do a hypnotherapy uh, recording for them that helps replant the new messages into the unconscious mind. So I know uh, Laura and I were at the same NLP training and she was the one who did my hypnotherapy. And I actually talked about you on a previous episode. She is the reason for my quantum leap, you guys. <laughs> Yay! We had such an amazing, like, I mean, I was like deep, like my body was doubled over, like deep into trance and the messages that she implanted were so amazing. Like, so Laura, this is my first time telling Laura, like I've got Facebook ads running. My business is scaled. Like shit's just blowing off. Like it's just, it's, it's awesome. That's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the thing is, I can tell from you speaking to me earlier, you've already done the work to kind of clean out the gutters of the mind. And so then the mind was just like, okay, what's going to flow through here, through here now. And then like that hypnotherapy session came at the right time. And, but the gutters had to be cleaned out first. So a lot of times people can come to a hypnotherapy session, but if you're, if you haven't cleaned out all the, the junk, Mm-hmm. the messages and the imprints and all the things that we pick up along the way, then the gutters might not, the mind might not take the suggestions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no like as well. Yeah. I think it's a, a it's a, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's a package. You have to treat the past and then tell the mind what you want in the future. Mm-hmm. And you just, I don't know. I don't, I'm a therapist. So of course, I'm going to say something like this. I just think that you can't circumvent your past. No. You have to, you have to do that work. 
Mm-hmm. And I tell people I have to have the light. I have to have the title of therapist in order to have a license in order to like do what I do. But I'm really a truth seeker. Like I'm trying to figure out the truth. What is the truth of your story so that you can own your truth? You can say, yes, this feels right to me. Your soul can take a deep breath and then you can move forward. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people are just trying to make sense of how their present life got to the place it is. And so that's kind of what I think people have to do before they go and like create, a, craft a new future. It's like, well, you got to go clean the past up first. Yeah. You got to be willing to heal and to be vulnerable and to do this work. So I'd love to hear your take on doing the work. That's something that we talk about a lot on this podcast and something that I am like, I mean, I'm, I, I agree with exactly what you said of like, you first have to heal yourself. Right. And so like, I've done so much work. Um, yeah. I remember like my first therapy session, my therapist was like, we did more in three sessions than people do in three years. And I think part of it is because like, I was ready and I came yeah. in like, full openness. Like I am just ready. And I know, I know that I need this. Um, and I know I'm not unique. I know a lot of the listeners of this episode are the same, like very ambitious women who want to heal. They want to be the best versions of themselves, but some of them aren't doing the work. And so I'd love to get your take on to you. What does it mean to do the work? And maybe there might be some new things that you throw in there that we haven't even heard about yet. Yeah. So for me personally, um, I've, I've been on a constant therapy journey since probably I was 19 years old and it's, it was ranged from talk therapy, which was good, but it, I really didn't feel like anything was getting done. I'm a very results oriented person. So like when I walk in, I want to feel better when I walk out. Like I don't want to just talk about what we're going to do and um, to doing my own EMDR. I did that for a couple of years. And then I did the ego state therapy, which I think I'm so big on the ego state therapy, which is the inner child work, because that's what really shifted me because I realized I didn't have the trauma wounds. So when I went to do the EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization reprocessing, which is a um, pretty in vogue treatment, trauma treatment right now. Um, Yeah. So whenever I did it, it just didn't have that thorough of a healing is what I was looking for because I didn't really have the trauma Mm -hmm. except for stuff I did to myself, but that's another story. So then uh, the attachment wounds, that's what really shifted things for me. And that's where I started to really piece my story together. So I did um, a few intensives with my, one of my mentors doing that. And then uh, I found the world of hypnotherapy. So at this point, what I do, what I do is once a month, I do an actual hypnotherapy session with my mentor, um, Natasha Bray over in, she's in the UK. And she does a hypnotherapy session with me once a month. And then I do my self recordings all the time. And I'm also, I've got spiritual coaches. I got business coaches. I got all kinds of coaches, you know, I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, my goodness, it takes a lot of work just to stay a sane human being. Um, On top of all of that, the one thing that I will say that I I have done consistently, and I think this is hugely important. Because it's not like you can just show up to a therapy session and say, okay, fix me and then change nothing else about your life. You know, you got to do some work to change some things Um, is probably for 
19, uh, probably for almost um, 16 years, not how long I've been in recovery, 19 years. So 19 years, um, I have been, I do a daily morning routine, like literally every morning I get up and it takes me 45 minutes. I'm like the stuff I have to do with to deal with people. And so, <laughs> so I meditate every day. I do my little uh, spiritual practices. I kind of do a hypno, a, a, a self hypnosis every day, and then I meditate or spend some time like sitting in reflection about whoever I'm working with that day and what direction I should take in their process. And so I think all of it combined is how I work on myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about therapy; it's about the things you do outside of therapy too. You can't just, I can't just show up once a month to Natasha and say, Hey, tell me what I need to fix and t- help me mm-hmm. uh, figure myself out. I have to spend time with myself mm-hmm. and I, cause you're the most important relationship in your life. And so every day I spend at least 40, like alone by myself with me. Mm-hmm. And that has truly, I think more than all the other stuff been what has been most healing for me is learning to be with me. Mm-hmm. and now I actually like me it's really cool I tell people if you fall in love with yourself you don't really need anybody else it's a wonderful thing I'm like I could have other people but they're like a cherry on the Sunday. yeah I'm fine just by myself I love that we have so many parallels in our journey inner child healing was also like really really transformative for me and um who it was um my my massage therapist who introduced it to me she was like because I really wanted a baby and and this was like five four years ago, three years ago. And she was like, well, before you have a baby, like, why don't you take a look at little Shanae in there? And I was like, what do you mean? And I can now say, looking back, me wanting a child was to fill the void, to fill a void. And like, what a burden to put on my unborn child to fill my void. Like what a burden. I'm so glad. Yeah. So yeah. glad that that didn't happen. Cause I mean, I'm obsessed with kids. I can't wait to have kids. And I talk about this all the time. My listeners know like my story and, and all of this, but, um, inner child healing was the most pivotal thing for me and, and connecting to her and not even like connecting to her, like how you said to fix her, but just connecting to connect. And so for our listeners in your journaling, this is a really great space for um, when you do your energy check, like you can swap out energy for inner child. What does my inner child need to hear today? Yeah. yeah. And connect with her in that way. And Laura, the fact that you do a morning routine, we call it morning self-care. So important. So I move, breathe, meditate, meditate, do a little movement. I like to do Qigong and then breath work with meditation and self-reiki. So that's my, my everyday like commitment to self, no matter how busy it gets, no matter if um, kitten season is here. So you're looking at a sleep deprived kitten mother. Um, No matter what though, it's like, no matter what is going on in my life, I need to have that. And when we can start to prioritize ourselves in this way, like that's what I think really doing the work is like, how can you set your life up so that you're not letting yourself down anymore? Like stop being a doormat, like stop putting yourself last. It's not selfish to create time for yourself. And that really is going to be like the foundation of um, of our inner work. So I'm so glad that you shared that. Thank you. Yeah. It's a non-negotiable for me and I love to sleep, but I lose an hour of sleep every day doing it. And I'm like you, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what time I go to bed. It doesn't matter what I have on the agenda. It's I get up and I do that I at least do 20 minutes, even if I'm 
um, like out of town, out of my normal routine. I'm at least going to do my 20 minute meditation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yay. It's important. Yeah. Hearing it from a therapist, you guys, it's important. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like we covered so much today. I wasn't expecting us to dive into attachment wounds, but I'm so glad we did. I think that's going to just like shed a lot of like light on a lot of people mm-hmm. on kind of what they're experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I think that it, it really validates people who call me because I get, you know, people who call me from all over the country wanting to come in for an intensive and, but they don't really even know what they're like. Yeah, I know you do EMDR, but I don't have any trauma. And when I start telling them about attachment wounds, they say, that's exactly what I'm struggling with. Mm-hmm. And so it really validates people. So they don't feel like they're just crazy or selfish or spoiled or dramatic or all the things that they might've been told during their life. No, you're not. You truly have a wounding in your ability to relate to yourself. Mm-hmm. And that wounding was passed down mm-hmm. by somebody who didn't know how to relate to themselves. And therefore the only, only option, like you said, if you'd had a baby before you did that work, you wouldn't have had an option. You can't give what you don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's great that you did the work and now you'll be able to pass down all that healing to your little one. Yeah. Not passing the mother wound, not <laughs> passing the mother wound instead <laughs> passing the healing and the love. That's right. That's right. That's what we want to pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's stopping generational trauma and also past, oh, yeah. past life. Um, it's, it's, I think in this lifetime, like one of, one of my really, really strong beliefs is that, um, one of our sort of jobs, so to speak, in our lives is to stop the trauma, is to do the work to heal so that we're not then passing this on. And it's our soul's journey to heal. It's our soul's journey to come back home to who we truly are. And I mean, he, when I use the word healing, I don't mean it to mean like you're broken or like, you know, like, cause you're not like you're, you're perfect. And yeah our soul's journey and our soul's purpose is to unlearn all of this bullshit that we have like picked up over the years about who we are or who we are not or what we're capable of so that we can really come home to who we are, like come home to ourselves. That's, that's like what I really yeah. believe. Yeah. I tell people that what I believe is we're born like with this perfect soul, perfect little being, and then we're handed to wounded people and they get to imprint all their wounds on us. And so then our like journey in this lifetime is to shed all the imprints and to shed all the wounds and come back to the place we were born. It's kind of, it's full circle. You get to come back to the place you're born where you're reconnected to your soul and you're living in a place of, of peace Mm. because peace is worth the price. Peace is worth the price. You know, you have a book in you, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, like, this. I need five hand, I need five other people to write. I need five of me, okay? And one of them can write the book. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Um, because my next question was like, how can we find you? How can we work with you? I know the question, the answer to that question. So um, how can we find you? How can we learn more from you? Um, where do you kind of show up in the online space? Yeah, that's funny. No, I don't really show up online because I, I don't have time. <laughs> sorry guys this I'm is literally like I'm like I'm booked till July and then I'm like and people are still calling me I'm like I don't know because well, you know, people book three days at a time with me so it's uh anyways I would say that the best way to contact me is um my email which is l f is in frank mullis m-u-l-l-i-s at gmail.com and then my website is triumph 
like mm -hmm. triumph of your past triumph-center.net i'll have every so that's that's link. me right now but um yeah other than yeah. that i don't really you shop online much i know <laughs> so i'm saying like these listeners like you guys are really special right now <laughs> like you won't yeah. find laura on the internet <laughs> That, that's just like amazing. I mean, your work is so phenomenal. I am such a fan of it. I mean, you know how much I love you. And I can't wait for this podcast to just be in people's hands because it's just, I mean, it's like, it's like 5% of what you do, but it's that 5% that's just going to open Pandora's box for them so that they can truly step into this work and start to do the work because you are not broken. Like, because even though you've been through tra trauma or even attachment wounds, now that I think about it, I, all of mine, I mean, there's been some trauma in my life, but a lot of it is the attachment wounds. And like, it, I think so many of us have shame around it, have shame around the, the feelings that mm. we have and the past that we have. And, and a lot of times, you know, shame then clouds their vulnerability and, and, makes it even yeah. worse and so it's like you're not alone and you're not broken like yeah. I, think I had a call with one woman and she was like I've been struggling with this for 30 years she and yeah, she that's a shame there was no hope for her and I was like no that is not true so mm -hmm. um yeah we get it all tangled and we start to think it's who we are now uh, um I call shame the master circuit breaker it's kind of like if you think of emotions as different um circuit breakers in your home when, when something like sadness or fear, or anger cut on, then shame will come and flip at the master, shame's like the master circuit breaker. It's our way to stay away from all the other stuff we don't want to feel. That's a great analogy. And so, uh, yeah, so shame a lot of times is really just a way to stay away from, from grief and deep sadness, but people don't even know what they're grieving because they don't really understand. They think, oh, I had a great childhood or I didn't get, nobody beat me. Nobody did anything to me. So what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And so it's really getting in the nuances mm -hmm. with people and understanding. And, you know, I tell people that in my, in the work I do, when you know the right problem, things get better quicker because you can offer the right treatment. So that's why I'm really big about people understanding the difference between trauma and attachment wounds. Mm -hmm. You don't treat trauma. You don't treat attachment wounds the same way you treat trauma wounds. I'm going to make that a quote for you. Yeah. <laughs> you can share it on your Facebook. No, yeah. If you know what you're treating, things get better quicker. <laughs> I love that. Um, I think that's, you know, we can kind of like wrap the little bow right there. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Yeah. I want to say the next time that you are in a space, cause I get in them too, where we're kind of in that beating ourselves up space and running the hamster wheel of negative self-talk pause and step back and ask yourself whose voice is it because a lot of times if you just trust your unconscious it'll tell you whose voice it is it'll say it's dad it's mom it's, it's x it's x or it's a coworker, or it's a this or it's a that and once you realize that it's not even your beliefs that's the first step to getting rid of them so ask yourself next time you're stuck in one of those spirals whose voice is this so good so good. Actually, I have one more question for you. Ready? Yeah. What does it mean to you to be your highest self? So to be my highest self means that I live in a way where I don't, this sounds very biblical, but it's not sin against my own conscience. Like I do what feels right to me. Mm 
mm-hmm. moment to moment, even if it means that other people don't agree with it. Mm. And I've always been like a trailblazer and a maverick in that way. I'll go do something that other people are like, well, are crazy, but I'm like, nope, this is what I need to do right now. And then eventually everybody follows me because they're like, actually, what Laura's doing works. So I think living in a way where I don't like alignment, don't sin against my own conscience. And, and I, this is so key. I want to tell everybody on the podcast because I know like you never arrive. Right. Like I'm OK with that. I had to I had to find this place inside me where I'm like, I can always work on something. Mm-hmm. And so my highest self is just that that quest for enlightenment I guess they would call it in the uh, spiritual world but this this place of equanimity peace love Mm. and living from your heart space Mm. I love that my favorite quote is you have arrived when arrival is no longer the goal oh I love that quote yeah I forgot who said it but you can quote me if you want (laughs) yeah Laura, thank you so much for um, just your presence today. I want to take a moment to acknowledge you. I think uh, thank you. you are such an incredible human. I want to acknowledge you for all the work that you've done. Well, thank you so much for letting me come on the podcast. And I want to thank everybody for listening today. It is our, like, we are thankful. You're amazing. Um, if you're in the highest self mastermind, Laura's going to be a guest speaker. So, so excited for you to um, meet my clients in that capacity. Um, for everyone else, I'd love to hear your insights. If you love this episode, make sure you share it with a friend, tag your mom, tag your sister, tag your auntie, anybody who needs to hear this message. And if you would like to work with Laura, she does three, like six, like one to three day intensives, right? In Georgia. Um, it just depends on the person, how long it is. Okay. But yeah. And she's going to be launching some luxury retreats in the future. So if that is yes, I'm excited. One week retreats. Um, you, I'll have everything linked down in the show notes. If you'd like to work with her, she's booked out for a long time. But maybe if you're lucky, you can get into her schedule. Um, and if you guys have any questions, you can always email me. But I'd love to just hear about you know what is the first action step you're going to be taking. Um, after hearing what Laura has shared with us today. And I want to remind everyone to integrate, right? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Don't be on that consumption trail where you're just listening, 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 really, really take the, the, what she shared today and integrate that into your life. Let it marinate inside of you so that it becomes whole within your system, because there really is nothing else that you can do besides like what Laura has talked about. Like this is top 1%, like this, this is it. So Don't go reading more books about this. Um, (laughs) Anyhow, thank you guys so much. I'll see you guys next week. Same time, same place. Don't forget to be your highest self. Bye for now.